Hey, unfuckers, subfuckers, and all the rest. Welcome into Show Notes 99. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I am I am just ducky. I want to start with a commercial. Not a real commercial, because nobody sponsors us, so we don't have commercials commercials. Maybe it's because of the name of the show that nobody sponsors us. Why do you think that is? I mean, we haven't asked. Who so. would we ask? The universe? No, like... I could go to a network and, or, you know, an ad thing and be ah. like, hey. I'm going to sell fucking mattresses. No, right? exactly. Yeah. That's why we don't have, I feel like we don't have them because we don't have them. Not because we don't have them. <laughs> well, that's as good a reason as any. Yeah. Well, what I do want to shill, and there's a reason for it right now in fuckers. I do want to shill our coffee for a moment and talk a little bit more about memberships. It's going to be fast. I promise. The coffee... As we always say, if you drink coffee, just drink this coffee. If you purchase the unfucking brand coffee, it does two things. Number one, it helps support the show. Gas in 99's car, gas in Manny Face's helicopter, things like that. And it goes to support the good people of the Unkachog Nation at the Puspatuck Reservation out on Long Island. They are the roasters of this amazing coffee blend that we have. We have actually, I think now, four different types of blends. We've got a decaffeinated blend. We've got the Mellow Maynard, affectionately named for John Maynard Keynes. And we've got our our morning and our afternoon unfucking. And we've got whole bean options as well. I'm bringing it up again because we usually bring it up at the end of every show. And we noticed that we actually sort of flatlined a little bit. And we got a little notice from the roasters at the reservation who said, you know, are we capped? Do you think this is it? And we said, no, we just really haven't been promoting it as much. And because they're coming into a summer hiring season, I would love to put the hammer down, get some coffee through the door into your kitchens so you can brew it at home and we can continue to support indigenous economic development on the reservation and continue to support the efforts at this show. Now, the other way to support the show is also related to coffee is to go to buymeacoffee.com slash UNFTR and support the show with a membership. There are some things that you get as a member. There's, you know, some stickers and shit like that. And if you're an insane level member all the way at the top, that means you are probably certifiably insane for supporting us at that level. But you also get a lot of other perks, which is nice. What that does is it helps us continue to refresh the feed, bring in some more resources, And that's my way of teasing that we do have a couple more features that we want to launch between now and the end of the year, two to be specific. So right now we've got the full on fuckings. We've got quickies. We split up show notes, which has actually become like its own show, which I, I love doing because it allows us to really interact with the listeners and it allows 99 and I to kind of reflect on the shows that have just passed and then incorporate listeners, you know, feedback into the shows. And then we have, of course, Topical Cream, which is where we can unfuck a current event. We have two more things to fully flesh out the UNFTR feed that we would like to release between now and the end of the year as regular features. So if you can support the show, those are the ways that you can do it. We would be eternally grateful. And either way, we're grateful for your listenership. We're grateful for your participation. As you'll hear today, we have a tremendous amount of feedback. 
That's just how Show Notes is going. Show Notes is getting bigger and more robust every single week that we do it because the feedback has been incredible. And we're developing some really incredible relationships with our audience. So that's all I wanted to say about that. Now, I slacked 99 over the weekend and I said, boy, everybody's mad at us. Because like the first two responses that we got after dropping our Convention of States episodes were people taking issue, not specifically with things in that episode, but, but with other things that we've said. And that is going to happen. Fortunately, we got a, a, a great deal of email and, and feedback after that that was, that was really positive. And we got some thought-provoking things as well. So we have a, a, a good mix of feedback to bring to you today. And I'm excited to get to it. So without further ado, let's begin with emails. Steve S. kicks it off with, They have the Supreme Court. They have a majority of state legislatures. They have a natural advantage in the Senate. They can gerrymander with impunity so long as they have state legislatures and SCOTUS signing off on it. Why would they need a convention with all of that? The Constitutional Convention is just the next carrot to keep their base engaged. I thought this was a really, really smart email. Because the end game doesn't have to be calling a convention and then calling a full ratification of whatever amendments were proposed. Just the idea that it's out there is enough to incentivize states, and as we'll hear from a couple of people, who are familiar with this in their own states, like Nettie in Wisconsin, who was very aware of this movement when it was happening, and then it actually did pass in Wisconsin. If they can continue rolling that ball, and they can win legislatures one by one with some sort of momentum behind the movement, they don't even need to go all the way with it to eventually just wind up with a majority of state legislatures that can then gerrymander and secure, through gerrymandering, don't forget, secure more congressional seats. So I really appreciate that feedback because Steve S. is, is thinking even more long game and more long term about all of the things that can happen with a, a convention of states movement really getting some greater emphasis in, in our general consciousness. John C. said, I know you always talk about getting it on the grassroots level, making sure we don't miss the all-important local vote. But isn't there a way to engage the party at the top as well? Can we all cram Pelosi and Schumer's mailboxes with links to the episode? Also, P.S. 99, I'm pissed. Only a couple months ago, you were so ready to move to Sweden. And now, Scotland? Austria? Damn, feels like when I was 17 and my girlfriend dumped me at the Valentine's Day dance. Oh. Sigh. So you're going to have to... I'll come to Sweden too. Whoever to will take around. me. I'm I'll sure there's going to be plenty surfing. of places. There are plenty of places are going to take you. Just where are you going to where are you going to rest your hat? Got to think about it. Yeah. What can all of you offer me? <laughs> we'll start the bidding at a couch. Yes, and please. And we'll go from there. So, can we cram Pelosi and Schumer's mailboxes with links to this episode? I don't think it will matter. I don't think that they'll care. I don't think Nancy Pelosi knows what a podcast is. There is also that, and I'm sure she doesn't check her own emails, especially after that guy like went to her office and like stole her computer and stuff, right? During the uh, the riot. I'm assuming she has a new one by now. Maybe. Wasn't Maybe. it her podium? I requisitioned a new laptop. She's got a typewriter. I uh, would can share my laptop with you, Nancy. Well, aren't, aren't they in a loving relationship? They look like it. They look like they belong together, well, don't you, they? You put that in a skin. I did. I had them fucking in a skin once, yeah. which is so gross. It's disgusting. Yeah. Meanwhile, at Schumer's pad. 
Oh. 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 Give it to me, Chuckles. Yes, right there. Nancy, shut the ringer on my phone. It's probably the president. Sure thing. Now get over here, big boy. Oh, yeah. I don't think we need to, on that note, cram anything into Pelosi or Schumer's boxes. Ew. Because I think change comes from underneath and that the leadership will blow with the wind and go with basically whoever's writing the biggest check and whoever has the most sway in the individual caucuses. So it's a little easier for me to actually understand on Pelosi's side because the bigger that the CPC gets, the Congressional Progressive Caucus, the more influence they can have. Of course, we saw with Chantel Brown and Nina Turner, the caucus itself needs to do a little bit of soul searching and healing. But if the numbers are there, they can at some point force Pelosi or whomever winds up in that seat into into a corner on certain issues. Schumer, on the other hand, is a creature of Wall Street and big pharma and big tech. And, and he is kind of the keeper of all of the big money donors on the Democratic side. There's no way to get to a Schumer where he's going to care. I've met Chuck Schumer. I've been at fundraisers with him in the past. I've seen how he operates. And I can tell you that he's very good in terms of being media savvy, pulling off this vote in the Senate that they knew was doomed. He was going to get a lot of eyes on that and, you know, be able to out mansion to people, even though that's probably going to wind up working in mansion's favor in terms of, you know, legalizing abortion legislatively. Everybody knew it wasn't going to pass. He did it as a show. He's really good at stuff like that. But in terms of moving policy forward, I would I wouldn't be looking to Chuck Schumer to be the uh, progressive salvation of the Senate. So from the ground up, I think is the way to go. We need numbers if we're going to have any impact on anything. And now Nathan Surst sent in a very long, a very thoughtful and considered email on the idea of personal accountability. Now, I like talking to and about and with Nathan Surst because Nathan admittedly comes from a more conservative background, works in finance at, at one of the big banks, and is somebody that has done a lot of work kind of exploring his own belief system and, you know, challenging his his station in life, his position in the world. So this is somebody who is very capable of self-reflection and then will, I think when, he, when he's a little bit tweaked and something sounds a little bit off, will email in and, and say, you know, I hear you, but then there's also this perspective. And that's, that's why I like hearing from Nathan Sir. So he's talking about personal accountability and says, I believe most people support progressive programs that help the marginalized and lower income brackets. But often what I struggle to reconcile is how do you provide the programs while at the same time not creating entitlement? He goes on to talk about, I'm, I'm look, it's a very long email and, and then I'll come back to his major point here, which is this idea of entitlement. Down further in his email, it says, that's why I opted to go to an insane level member and have been donating like crazy to Jessica Cincineros since you recommended her. But week after week, I struggle with this one element and I cannot imagine I'm the only one you have always had the mantra of meeting people where they are, and it's in this spirit that I call out the element that I've not yet been convinced of and hope to hear more research to help with. I know that you'll hate to hear it, but I do believe people can move. It sucks. It's not always easy, but sometimes you got to do what you got to do to make your life better. 
So what Nathan is talking about is actual physically moving. He's talking about not creating a sense of entitlement with programs. That's a well-worn mantra, and I understand that. We can unpack that. But what he's specifically leaning into is this idea that if you don't like your circumstances, you can move and then give some like real-life examples that are in his own family about people that have made extraordinary decisions to put their lives on hold for many, many years, in fact, and move in order to support their families. And I get all of that, and that is that first-generation immigrant mentality and mantra and work ethic, which is to come to a country or travel to other countries to provide for your family back home, and that one person has to put their lives on hold. You think about the selection process with families that are, let's say, the working poor who have many children and have to gather their resources to hopefully send one to college, the one that's going to you know, be the first in the family to go to college. We like to talk about these rules as exceptions, and we like to talk about that person that pulled themselves up by the bootstrap, and as, as Nathan is talking about here, I don't have a problem with that, and I think that those stories are admirable. But in every one of those stories, there's a sense of loss, that you have to give something up in order to get something else. So you have to give up time with your family. You have to give up living at home. You have to leave the place that you grew up or that you had roots or that you have some familiarity, comfort with. And you have to go to something else that is uncomfortable, that takes something significant from your life in order to achieve a quote unquote better life. I get all that. My question is, Nathan, and for anybody that thinks about this in terms of the the ideas of entitlements, why Would we have to? Why do we need to struggle in the wealthiest country in the world? This market system of ours has failed because we haven't put the proper protections in place. There's a great episode of David McWilliams' podcast. I think it's the most recent one. It's called Scandinavian Models. And the guest talks about the mobility in Sweden in particular where Swedes will move jobs constantly and that the baseline income, while not having a universal income, but the baseline income for the vast majority of Swedes is very high, comparable to the rest of Europe and then any of the other OECD countries. And that that flexibility did not make people entitled The welfare state doesn't make them entitled. As a matter of fact, it makes them even more ambitious. And in turn, the companies that employ them are themselves more ambitious. They strive to create a better working environment and better program and themselves better entitlements for their employees because they want to be really competitive in the marketplace. And so when we say to people, you have the option to move, yeah, I suppose they do, but you always have to lose a critical part of what we're all seeking, and that is family, security, time, health. Why should you have to sacrifice all of these things in service of this market economy bullshit, this capitalist notion that there's always going to be something better out there if you sacrifice everything yourself. And maybe by the time you're 65, you can take a break before your second heart attack and enjoy your grandkids for like 10 seconds. 99 is going to kill you at 75 anyway, so what the fuck is it all worth, right? Why must we always lose in a nation that has it all? 
We talked about this where we have a quarter of the world's wealth. Actually, it's 30% of the world's wealth with 5% of the population. Why should people struggle? And the theory is if we give too much to the people at the bottom, they'll get lazy and they'll be entitled and they'll expect more. The problem with that, Nathan, and anybody else that believes this, is that that is not human nature. That is not how people operate. When you give somebody who is insecure security, they look for the next thing. They look to improve their station in life. That's human nature. And if we always talk about America, the land of the free and the home of the brave and the independent spirit that, you know, the, that Western frontier spirit of rugged individualism that, you know, it lives in within each one of us. Well, then why the fuck wouldn't we want to provide security for all these rugged individuals to go out there and make their lives that much better? It's sort of insane to think that we would disincentivize 90% of this population by continuing to take things away from them and then telling them what? That some American from fucking Alabama who's been there for eight generations should just hop on a cruise ship and leave their family behind to go make a life out on the high seas so they can send checks back to fucking Alabama? How about just giving people a shot? How about giving them a solid public education? That doesn't cost them an arm and a leg and leave them in debt. How about giving them health care so that they can get preventive care instead of having to go to the emergency room for fucking services because they can't cover their insurance costs? All of these things are just sensible items and they're not entitlements. Just because we're entitled to them doesn't mean that we are entitled when we take them. Now, if I sound animated, Nathan, I'm not. I'm passionate about it, but I'm not aggravated and animated over this issue because you're striking at one of the core issues that allows the Republican Party to shit on their base while at the same time selling them a bunch of fucking bullshit. The people in this country that would benefit the most from these type of entitlement services and public education and health care are predominantly in poor red states. That's the fucking madness of all this. But so long as they can point to the otherness of, quote, blacks in urban areas, another myth that we've exploded, or Mexicans streaming across the border to take our jobs, as long as we can continue to propagate those myths or the right can do that, then poor white people have this sense that, well, it's not me, it's them taking it from me. It's not. It's the capitalist wealthy class that's taking it from you. And they're fucking selling you a bill of goods. And that's all I got to say about that. Now, Jesse T emailed in as well. 99, why don't you take it while I take a breath here? Your uh, Forrest Gump is becoming much more prevalent. <laughs> Here's Jesse. So Jesse said, I've been afraid of this eventuality for a long time, ever since one of my other favorite podcasts, Opening Arguments, did a breakdown of what it could look like a while back. And then later in the email, Jesse said, I really wish there was more utilitarianism on the left. There are more of us than there are fascists. We just always seem to let the minor issues get in the way of outcomes. Not to say there aren't lines in the sand we shouldn't have, but we need to be far more understanding and far more unified than we have been. So I highlighted that piece about little things getting in the way of the big things, because that really is what plagues the Democrats. And now we've seen the progressives as well. When you're super passionate about things on the left, they seem bigger because they are climate, 
the criminal justice system, economic wage slavery. God, I don't know, mass incarceration. Like those big issues on the left are all consuming in and of themselves. So it's hard to actually put together a cohesive strategy that tackles them all. And that's where the left gets kind of hung up in terms of coalescing around big scale projects that would alleviate all of them. If you go back to actually one of the episodes that we did about the Build Back Better bill, one of our criticisms of it was that it was indeed too overreaching and that we should be taking like 10 of the core elements of the social infrastructure side of that bill, breaking them up, giving them super, super patriotic titles, and then hammering them one by one through the first two years of Biden's term while he had the majority. Instead, they went for everything and wound up with nothing except for physical infrastructure, which is kind of like a no brainer. And I don't mean to diminish the efforts behind the fiscal infrastructure bill because we needed it, but Jesus Christ, the social infrastructure bill is the stuff that's actually going to save lives, not just the economy or fucking bridges, right? But I did also want to call out in the beginning of Jesse T's that I did not know about opening arguments doing something on Convention of States, nor have I been able to listen to it since we got this comment, but I definitely want to go back and listen to it. Jesse, thank you for highlighting that and letting us know that opening arguments did something on it. And uh, it's a great show, so I'm sure it was wonderful. And then Adam S. said, such a small nitpick, but the most recent episode, you referred to the Koch brothers at least once, and I recall your use of it in other episodes as well. I worry that the phrase Koch brothers has become a bit of a boogeyman phrase for us on the left, similar to how conservatives will use George Soros to evoke a reaction. I don't take issue with calling them out. In fact, I would encourage it. But the part I worried about is that David Koch died in 2019. The Koch brothers don't do much anymore. It's just Charles Koch now. Yes. So Adam S., so I've referred to them separately in the past and actually kind of gleefully mentioned that one of them is dead and refused to say which one because I always lump them together as a bag of shit. When I refer to a Koch Brothers funded initiative, it is more colloquial in nature, but so many of the initiatives that we talk about, including the Convention of States, was when they were both alive. So it's an important detail. And if it is a more current iteration of one of their dark money packs, and it is just Charles, although I think David was actually the bigger asshole. If it was just Charles, then I will be sure to be specific about that. As far as it being a left boogeyman, yeah, it is. Although the Mercers, as we've covered before, are just as bad, if not more evil. They just haven't been doing it as long. And there's a long line of, of fuckheads such a such a longer line of fuckheads but the Koch brothers are still just they're just unique so I know you don't have a problem with us referencing them I will try to be more I guess layered and detailed when we do mention them anyway Adam thank you for the email we appreciate that and now that brings us to Elena S Elena said no Puerto Rico should not become a state of the US to choose independence would mean having to give up the benefits of US citizenship so they may choose colonization over freedom. But if they become a state, efforts will be made to eliminate the Spanish language. I don't like the idea of any more stars on your flag since none of them should belong to Mexico. <laughs> she ends with, the guy that fucks the girl forgets, but the pregnant girl does not. How timely. Elena asked, we did, uh, that was a throwaway line to asking Maria from Puerto Rico if uh, she'd like to join us in uh, adding to the number of states we have to make it harder for the Republicans to convene a convention of states. Sort of half tongue-in-cheek, sort of half not. One of the things that we unpacked a little bit in our Caribbean episode and our Washington Consensus episode 
was uh, just how horrific our treatment of, of Puerto Rico has been since our first engagements with them as colonialists from the United States, at least, in the 1800s. The history in the Caribbean has been brutal for many, many centuries, as a matter of fact. But we are the most recent example of imperialism. What we did to Puerto Ricans first and then what we did to Puerto Rico over the years has been absolutely horrific. I think there's more for us to do there. Manny Faces produces a show called Newsbeat that we've talked about before, who did an outstanding episode on Puerto Rico, calling it a colony of the United States. I think the title was What the Hell is Puerto Rico Anyway? Because it, it, as a commonwealth, what the fuck does that even mean? So there's so much more to unpack there. I hope we get there. Uh, maybe we can even get there this year because I think it's something that people don't really understand but but ought to. Now, Prof G sent us a, uh, a great email from out in Portland where the weed game is strong but still illegal. Thanks, Joe. Yesterday, the best rapper in the game, in my opinion, Kendrick Lamar, released his new album. It is an inspiring generational shift of attitudes about LGBTQIA and black masculinity. I will take the wins wherever I can get them. Love what you do, and I'm glad I can make a small contribution to Storming the Bastille. Keep up the great work. I am not a avid listener of Kendrick Lamar. Uh, hip-hop is not really on my radar. I think there's somebody associated with the show. In, I, just, I have this like recollection that there's somebody associated with the show that knows a little bit about hip-hop, but uh, not an expert. Uh, that's Pulitzer Prize-winning rap artist Kendrick Lamar. Yes, super dope recommendation. Uh, I haven't gotten into it yet. I am taking a flight tomorrow, and I will be basking in the avant-garde-ness of Mr. Lamar's latest opus. Perhaps I'll give a review the next time we're together. I, I like this email on a lot of different levels, most of which is that Prof G is saying there's so much bullshit in the world. Convention of States was super depressing. But there's some really good things happening out there. I think it's cool to point out that many of the best things really do begin in the in an artistic way and in the artistic community. So I'm glad that she highlighted Kendrick Lamar. I think that is a very cool thing to uh, to bring out to unfuckers. So if you want to download that new album, take a listen. Go for it. This one and our next one are in reference to the same thing. Where in post-show musings, I asked how people on the right could be so hateful. So Mike G said, Our brothers at Straight White American Jesus had made a great point of how hard the Republicans work to scare the living heck out of white people in America. I don't know that they're mean, but I believe that they're scared. So that was from Mike G. And then Gaut, Gaute, do we ever decide on how to say his name? Gautel. Gaut. Gautel. We'll need, you gotta send in a phonetic pronunciation. Gaute, Gaut. We don't, we don't know. I don't want to, I don't want to mispronounce, but Gate Gout said in the musings, 99 said, are these people all that bad regarding the right? After a couple of comments from Max, she continues. And for the people who vote for them, I just don't understand how people can be so hateful and bigoted. I just don't get it. I hope you can unpack that. If your main idea of the people who vote for quote them is that they are hateful and bigoted. You need to think again. Maybe some people are and some on the left are too. A statement like that puts you, in my view, firmly with Hillary Clinton's, quote, basket of deplorables. The core problem is capitalism. It is a system that increases rather than decreases inequality. So. Now, I should say that Gout L 
And, I, and I'm glad that these are paired together. But Gout in particular started off by saying, I'm disappointed in you. And that was one of the things that I had responded to uh, in Slack over the weekend because we, we were getting hammered from both sides. Actually, Gout said, I'm disappointed in 99 because yes. Gout addressed the email to you. And for all the future unfuckers, if you are irritated with something I say, please address it to me. Because, Gout, I know you're well-meaning and I know this was just... You, you speak your mind, however, as a woman in the workplace and the world, can I tell you how often people address my male colleagues instead of me? So it is a quite a trigger for me. So please, please, you don't even realize you're doing it and that's the problem. Everybody, not just you, Gout. So, again, please address anything to me if you have an issue with me. Thank you. And there you go. The core problem is capitalism, as Gout mentions here. Because it leads to inequality, inequality leads to insecurity, insecurity leads to pointing at the otherness, and the cycle continues. Like Mike G says, from Straight White American Jesus Show, Republicans have been hard at work scaring the living heck out of white people in America. So between these two emails, there's so much beneath the surface that resulted in the election of Donald Trump. There's so much beneath these emails that has created this antipathy between the two sides and the ever-increasing gap between the two sides in the country. And I'm not sure how to, how to bridge this divide when we have a media culture that promotes the polarization that exists. I think there's more middle ground. The basket of deplorables, you know, I, I'm still comfortable and confident saying that if in this day and age you're going to a Trump rally and shouting locker up and build the wall and cheering for any sort of anti-immigrant sentiments or or what have you if you're still in that extreme minority of people that will actually show up at, at something like that or maybe you're i don't know carrying a fucking tiki torch down down the street in charlottesville or i don't know opening fire on unarmed black civilians in buffalo and so on and so on if you are the victim of this type of hate marginalization that has been really inculcated in the right wing, then it's difficult to say, hey, meet them where they are and don't call them deplorable. So I say, fuck them. I really do. I say authentically, if you're so taken over on that side that you are hateful enough to support a bill that advocates silence when it comes to mental health and transgender issues and gender identity issues in school and then promotes the ability to sue teachers which is what that florida bill does if you're a thinking person who's actually looked into this and said yeah that reflects my beliefs i'm not sure i have that much sympathy for you and you're yeah. a deplorable to that's me. where i'm coming and that's where i was coming from i'm not talking about the person who is voting for somebody because they think they'll give them better tax breaks or whatever. Like, I'm talking about the people who vote for these fucking people who just violate our human rights. And they do it gleefully. They do it. They're happy about it. They promote it. They talk about it. The Buffalo shooting is a fucking perfect example of this. You're telling me that that person's not full of hate? You're telling me that? I don't... That No. So, sure. Was I being general? Yeah, we're general a lot on this show. Not everything applies to every person. But I'm at a point now where if you're still voting for this stuff, if you still believe this, 
How can I say that you're not hateful? I don't understand. You can be anti-abortion, but still feel like it's someone's right to choose. You could say in my personal life, if I was if I was impregnated or I got someone pregnant, I would not want them to have an abortion because I believe that that baby should live. Okay, or you know, whatever. It doesn't mean you have to put your beliefs on everybody else. You can say, I'm straight. <laughs> But still support fucking gay marriage. You know, like, mm-hmm. it, it, there, it is hate. It is hateful. It is hateful. I'm sorry. I'm not sorry. Fuck this. Well, you know, it, it, so <laughs> I saw a great tweet that was like, you know, what was worse for the Buffalo shooter? And we won't mention his name because it doesn't deserve it. What do you think had more, more of an effect on him? Uh, a book that he might have read when he was in third grade or the fucking automatic weapon that he was able to procure? You know? I mean, we're, we're looking at all the wrong stuff, continually looking at all the wrong stuff because we're allowing them to point, you know, say, look over here while all the bullshit is happening over there. And so if you can support, if you can legitimately support like a full-throated support of Ron DeSantis, as an example, or a Donald Trump with all of the things that they've said. And say, it's because I love that guy. I love what that guy stands for and what he's saying, rather than, hey, I've been a Republican all my life. I got to take the good with the bad, not what I want, but better than the alternative, because I don't believe that the Democrats have a message that appeals to me and my status in this country and where I've gotten to, because I don't want to pay more in taxes. I don't support endless wars, or I do support endless wars, or whatever, whatever those things are. But it's the people that look at these men and say, yeah, that guy speaks for me. Or even, listen, women, Marjorie Taylor Greene, that that sits there and and listens to her QAnon conspiracy fucking bullshit, sitting on the the floor of Congress and basically calling half of the Democrats' colleagues pedophiles or groomers. I mean, she says this in chamber. It's fucking madness. So if you can look at that person and say, yeah, that's, that's my person, then... You're in that deplorable basket, and it is what it is. But we're working around you. What needs to happen is the work around those people. We've given these people such a fucking huge megaphone and a voice by amplifying them on the right and the left. So you've got a Tucker Carlson with the great replacement theory saying it over and over and over again. Look at the New York Times piece that looked at 400 of his episodes and piece together all of the themes that he just keeps hammering away at and hammering away at, never coming to a full conclusion, but always raising the question. That is indoctrination through propaganda. And people are being just filled with this fucking nonsense day after day. It is hard to battle back against, particularly if you're in a group of people that also feels the same way and that's all the information that you're getting. It's really tiresome. So we got far afield again. Bottom line is a couple of people taking us to task for painting people on the right with one brush. So in that, I'll give space. You can't paint everybody with the same brush. But also don't take everything so seriously a little bit. You know what I mean? Yeah, but yeah, but we have a pulpit, right? So we have a show and yeah. we have to take that seriously. But is it also fair to dissect that as like I said, all people on the right 
Like, I didn't of make not. a sweeping basket of deplorable statement. Of I was asking not. you an honest and innocent question because I was grappling with my own sadness about people who are hateful. So I'm not saying we shouldn't be careful with what we say, but I also want to encourage our listeners to give us some grace if it's like, you know, we're just having a conversation. Yeah, and to, let's create uh, another distinction within the show itself, and that is that show notes is us unfettered and it's us talking and working through things and responding in real time to comments that are coming to us the the comments are about shows that are scripted sourced researched and edited and we make sure to be as bulletproof as possible save for my pronunciation of things at times but as bulletproof as possible and we're perfectly willing to be challenged on concepts, ideas, and perspectives with with respect to the source material that we're commenting on. When it comes to 99 and I sitting here bullshitting, we're going to say some things that are, well, you know, again, 99 wants to murder all men who turn, uh, all white men who turn 75, right? I don't regret that. It <laughs> doesn't regret it, may mean it, but, you know, it's, it doesn't have, let's just say you don't have the power to actually make that happen yet, right? Well, so it's a little fanciful. It's a little fanciful, right? Fancy I'm, not, fool. I'm not actually going to move to New Zealand, but I'm, I'd like to. I might. Right? So I'm not a, taking anything off the table. There's a little bit, you know, so there's a, you, you do have to give us a little grace when it comes to show notes. But if you have and something specific. And post show And post show musings, that's which right. Which is where it was. More to the point, when you hear something that doesn't feel right, or you have something that you want to offer us for additional or different context, and specifically in one of the full unfuckings, let us know. So with that... We'll get to Bobby McDee, who offered a simple, my head spins at the sheer depravity of it all. Two thoughts come to mind. One is Hannah Arendt's observation about the banality of evil, and the other is Kurt Vonnegut's statement, how embarrassing to be human. Thank you, Bobby. Bobby, come in stateside. There might be a Bobby McDee spotting in the United States of America. I think we should steal his passport and keep him here. What do you think? It feels... That feels right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Bobby McDee, safe travels. We'll try not to fuck things up even more by the time you get here. So let's move over to some general feedback that we got. Andrew W. said, I just wanted to quickly say thanks to 99 for retweeting a last minute event I was putting together for the March for Women on May 14th. Grand Junction is the heart of Bobo County. So in a desperate bid to whip up... Is that, could that be Bobo County? I Bobo Country. Was, oh, Bobo Country. The that fuck not is like that? Lauren Bobert? B O E? Oh, ew. So, in a desperate bid to whip up a local response and stage in March on Main Street, tagged UNFTR, we had a solid, passionate, and collaborative group of strangers meeting together to raise hell and fight the powers that be. Did you know that Bobert and Marjorie Taylor Greene don't like each other? I did read that, and I thought it was pretty funny. I love that. And I'm like, well, that's funny. Now I have something in common with both of you. <laughs> the enemy of my enemy is my friend. <laughs> so Cameron J. said, Max's 10 minutes of confused burblings in response to Andrew L. were admirably rooted in absolutist or hyperbolic principles eschewing any and all weapons because human loss is inextricably their case. But are we really just putting rifles in the hands of civilians? Are we really making for greater slash protracted human losses by arming the Ukrainians? Fuck no. Andrew L. is right. 
You're a smart fucker, Max, but it was intellectually bankrupt and vapid to dismiss Andrew's analogy as a, quote, false equivalence. Nearly the whole planet is on board with helping arm the Ukrainians. Okay. All right, so uh, 99 took her heat. I will take mine. Well, I took mine and I yelled back. <laughs> so are you going to do the same? No. <laughs> no, I'm not. But I'm not going to move. And not because I'm stubborn and, and want to cut my nose off to spite my face. I am not against sending arms to Ukraine. I believe that Vladimir Putin is a complete fucking psychopath and would run through all of Ukraine and commit genocide on his own people. I think that he is a bloodthirsty, I wouldn't even call him a capitalist. He's just a bloodthirsty psychopath who will do anything to wrest any marginal power away from another nation if he feels that he can. That all being said, I worry that we are not pursuing any authentic diplomatic channels to shut this down. I want to go back to a few episodes ago, not mentioning the Chris Hedges stuff, not mentioning the, you know, the fact that NATO shouldn't even exist. Of course, now we're going to, you know, let Finland in too. Forget the fact that that is a war alliance that has outlived its usefulness and that we should have been building cooperative economies together and helping establish better trade zones between countries with rules and regulations that only guaranteed admittance to these alliances if there were certain human rights provisions and regulations put in place within marketplaces that guaranteed admission to that. So put all that aside. What I was talking about was the fact that there is no such thing as diplomacy left in the world because we're out of practice. If you go back to the words of Kennan, who created the theory of containment, and then 30 years later was able to Monday morning quarterback the theory of containment, look at what went right and what went wrong, was considered by liberals and conservatives to be the most knowledgeable person with respect to Soviet affairs and Russian affairs post-collapse. He said, in dealing with them, if you want to extract something from them, you have to give something to them so that they can save face publicly. My fear is that the United States, by not engaging with the EU and China to put political, diplomatic, and economic pressure together as a combined unit on Vladimir Putin, where he really had something to lose in this beyond just, you know, beyond face, that by, by not doing that and only sending arms and only looking at this as well, it's a military intervention, so we're going to have to support the Ukrainians, you know, militarily. If all you have is a hammer, then all the world is a nail. We're out of practice. We don't know how to do this. And because we haven't been able to properly forge an alliance with President Xi, who is made out to be the enemy of all enemies, and we don't have a guy like Tony Blinken is not going to cozy up to President Xi. Because he came in deliberately saying, you know, I think everything that Trump was doing was pretty good with respect to China. We need, you know, this is the enemy. They're, they were aligning against China 
even before they took office. This is just a when it comes to foreign policy, there's no Trump, there's no Biden. There is just a continuum of neoliberal and hawkish rhetoric, and we don't know how to employ any sort of diplomatic engagement. So why can't both of these things be true? Why can't we say he's a bloodthirsty fucking psychopath who is 100% entirely in the wrong today as it stands, and also that the U.S. did not exhaust any and every measure possible to bring about a diplomatic solution, understanding Kennan's words that even as unsavory as it might have been, we might have had to give something to Vladimir Putin in order to save the Ukrainians. But we can't do that. We're not capable of that. That's not in our DNA to give anything because we're too stupid to recognize that diplomacy is an avenue that saves lives. We don't do that anymore. So what are we going to do? We are going to arm civilians, and this will be a more protracted affair, and there will be loss of Russian life and Ukrainian life. Period. End of story. That's indisputable that more people are going to die as a result of our inability as the so-called greatest nation in the history of the world to bring about a democratic, diplomatic end to any sort of conflagration in that part of the world. That's it. It's all there is. So all of these things can live together. And I respectfully say to Cameron, to Andrew, you're right. And so am I. That's how I feel about that. Okay. Heavy. And they can keep it going if they if they want. But don't call me intellectually bankrupt. Well, it's, he didn't call you intellectually bankrupt. What you said was intellectually bankrupt. You know, that old gaslighting. <laughs> okay, well, Stephanie L. said, Is anybody looking to the fact that Gorsuch, Kavanaugh, Alito, and Coney Barrett lie during their confirmation hearings? They all said Roe v. Wade is the law of the land and legal precedent. Can charges not be brought against them for lying under oath while they were going through confirmation hearings? I don't know. I don't believe so. I wish they could. And is anybody looking at that fact? I think everybody's looking that fact right in the face and understanding that, yeah, they lied. But it's not them that I have the problem with. It's it's Susan Collins. It's anybody that voted to to confirm these people. Look at the lengths that they went to to keep Merrick Garland out of the fucking Senate. And then look at the continual capitulation of the Democratic Party. And every time we, I mean, the Democrats really are Charlie Brown and the Republicans are holding that fucking football and saying, trust me this time with this guy Alito. Trust me with Kavanaugh. Trust me with Alito. Trust me with Coney Barrett and so on and so forth. It's just, it's never going to change. Trust me, we'll let you pair build back better later. Well, why can't we do it now? Because later's better. Oh, but we want to do it now. How about later? Okay. Do you promise? Oh, right. Well, they promised. Come on. Just, just just, come on. But Stephanie L., yeah, I think we're all looking into it and we realize that uh, we're fucked because we've elected too many Republicans. And then we elected Donald Trump. And then justices fucking died. <laughs> and, and that's it. I mean, elections have consequences, right? The point of the Convention of States, though, was to prove that the local elections may have more consequences than you even believe. Now, Jacob W., said, I'm kind of curious on both of your thoughts on the ongoing conflict of Israel and Palestine. Oh, great. 
let's get into Israel-Palestine today, too. We're on a roll. <laughs> I heard 99 mentioned she was Jewish, and I kind of wanted her insight on the topic, even if she doesn't have any ties to Israel directly. Yeah, great, 99. What are your thoughts on the conflict? <sighs> no thoughts, just vibes. <laughs> Um, I They're all deplorable, man. answer and say that I don't know as much as I should about the conflict as a Jewish person in this country. So, I can't really answer in a good way because I will sound stupid. But all people should be free. <laughs> <laughs> Is that fair? Yes. Okay. It is. Do you know there's a video from like 2007? Have you ever seen Shoes? Like one of the first YouTube hits. Like, oh my God, Shoes. No. Okay, so the same person did one. It was about muffins and he had all these different muffins. And he had one and he goes, Israeli-Palestinian conflict muffin. And that's what I think of every time. So does that help? <laughs> I think it's very helpful. Thank you. So, Jacob. Um, well, we promised we'd do an episode one day. Yes. And you said that everyone has to leave their preconceived notions at the door. Yes. Because it's heated. Yes. More heated than most. I think more heated than oh. Ukraine, Russia. Oh. So. And we're going to fix it. Me and you. Our one episode. Israeli-Palestinian conflict muffin. We're going to bake that muffin. Yeah. So much disheartening news. Yeah, this week was bad. This, this is a bad week. This is a bad week for Earth. Yeah. Did anything good happen this week? Well, Kendrick Lamar, we got that. Uh, the Mets dropped their first series. Rangers did a thing. People are excited about that. They were. But other people will be sad because True. their I team lost. I think if you're lost. in Pittsburgh, you're pretty upset. Yeah, well, they're upset because they live in Pittsburgh. Oh, wow. Sorry, Pethan. I like Pittsburgh. I, uh... I was shocked when I went to Pittsburgh by how fucking cool Pittsburgh was. I've never been there, to my knowledge. Yeah, no, it's like surprising how well, cool it is. The one person we know from Pittsburgh is kind of a loser, so <laughs> not you, Pethan. Don't worry. You're perfect. Um, I think we should cap it. I think we should be like, you know what, Jacob? Punt. <laughs> okay. Right? I feel yes. like right now is a little too spicy. So, well... Uh, what I want to do is is put it back to Jacob, and we've we've actually had yes, and you yes, can and. tell me what you think. <laughs> we've had a number of emails lately um, from. Uh, it's so funny. Once we teased that we were going to do an episode at some point on Israel Palestine, we started to get educational emails from listeners like. Hey, you might want to consider this or, Hey, you might want to consider that. Or most of, you know, 99% of the country uh, lives in like total harmony. And here's a few examples. And you can talk to this person about, I'm very skeptical of anecdotal information. I have never been to Israel. This is not going to be like one of those fun, unconnucker episodes or unfucking down under episodes where we don't, even though I'm, obviously been to Canada many times, but I've never been to Australia, but we were able to do that episode just because it was fun and we wanted to give people a primer on the politics there. Yeah, that's I also want to, yeah, I want to couch the fun because of all the indigenous issues we touched on. That's not fun. We we took a tongue-in-cheek yes. approach to much of it. 
and then dragged the dragged the power structures of those countries for their terrible record specifically on climate and indigenous issues. Israel-Palestine is a whole other thing because it's a whole other thing. So we will not be taking anything tongue-in-cheek. What I'm throwing back to Jacob and the others, though, is when you talk about unfucking this conflict, you look, think about our mission here, there has to be, in my mind, a tie to the United States and our position in that conflict, or lack thereof, and there has to be some element that is in our lane and in our wheelhouse, uh, rather than just opining about this historical conflict and getting back to the roots of the conflict from centuries ago. That's that's we're not going to do that justice. That's not going to be us. So even though I've gathered a significant amount of information and I have a number of resources that I trust to get the right answer, I'm curious to hear. Other than people just trying to like see where we stand, which isn't, you know, that that shouldn't be your, it shouldn't be a litmus test for the quality of this show. If you want to see where we stand, that means you're not going to check your preconceived notions at the door before you listen to it. So if you want it unfucked, what do you want unfucked? What is it that you don't understand that you wish you could know that you think we would do a good job telling? That's what I would like to know from our listeners. And Jacob W., who has written in many times, mm-hmm. I know that they're not trying to test us. So I, I want to exonerate Absolutely. Jacob W. And I don't want to make them feel bad. But yeah, I mean, and his email basically says that. I'm, I'm curious on both of your thoughts on the ongoing conflict. It doesn't he's not seeding it one way or the other? Yeah. Um, and and I think there are so many of us that have genuine, authentic questions about like, hey man, can this ever be fixed? I hear a lot on this side, and I hear a lot on that side. What's what's unsettling for me about approaching this is that living in New York, I feel like we are more attuned to both sides than in other places. That might seem a little New York centric or or bullshit, but when you get into the rest of the country, there aren't big Jewish populations. I mean, the part of the world that, that 99 and I live in is extraordinarily diverse. And we see and hear and talk to people of all faiths, backgrounds, races, ethnicities, and persuasions here and attitudes. And so I'm curious about, you know, in the rest of the country, like, again, we remember we were talking about how, you know, you grew up and met people in your own life already that had never met a Jew before. I mean, that's what we're talking about in the rest of it. This seems so fucking like science fiction to a lot of people, this conflict itself, because it's the smallest fucking part of the world with the most amount of attention and heat on it. You know, so I, I, that's why I don't want to bring my preconceived notions about what might be interesting to other people. Some people might just be looking for the most rudimentary, like understanding of like, what the fuck is going on over there? Please tell me in your words, Max, because I don't want, I want to shut out the noise. And if that's the case, that's great. We can do that too. But if you think there's a specific lane that we would do a really good job explaining, let us know. Christian C. said, Big fan and Oregonian here. Great show. I recommend it to everyone I know. Thank you. Much love to 99 and Manny. Hey, what the fuck? Much love to 99 and Manny. What am I, invisible? I generally enjoy the New York accent when it rears its ugly little head. Ah, this is for me. 
but Willamette is pronounced Will Amet. Amet. Em- emphasis on the second syllable. On a side note, you're absolutely right about both Will Amet week and Mr. Blumenauer. Am I saying that right? Then? I know. Will Amet? I, Will- was- I said Willamette. Yeah. Right? So he- Will Amet. Willamette. 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 Will. Will. But Will, did I say Blumenauer right? Will am at. Will am at. Will am at. Am at. Will I am. <laughs> I don't know, man. I really think it's like the best alternative weekly in the country. Isn't that amazing? I mean, you talk about a lot of great alternative weeklies. This, do, Will can you name am like at. five? Can I? Yeah. Yeah. Fucking A, of course. Yeah, let's well, hear it. The defunct and that started again and then not defunct and now bullshit village voice. Right? New Times. Miami New Times. No? Seven Days up in Vermont. Phoenix, Boston, they had a couple versions of that. The old defunct New York Press, how about that? Matt Taibbi once wrote for the New York Press many, many years ago. Not a lot wow. of people remember that. You know, how, you know how I remember that? Because he wrote a cover story called The 50 Funniest Things About the Pope Dying. Oh, yikes. But also, LOL. <laughs> and none of the 50 was funny. That was the best part about the whole thing. Anyway, so that's, you know. I wonder that five? what... Maybe. I wonder what people who don't... I know you, and I know where all of your pockets of knowledge come from. All of them? Uh, I mean, I'm not going to get into some of them, (laughs) but what do people who don't know you think? Like, when you... I was thinking about it last week when you were, you know, when you popped off in a positive way about finance and ESGs and SRIs, and I was like, what do these people think about you just knowing all this shit? And yet, I don't know how to pronounce some of it. And I'm talking about it like I know it. I think, I don't know. I'm, I don't know how Willamette, Christian C, sent us a voice recording. Yes, good idea. Wait, let's see. Send us a voice memo. Willamette. <laughs> Willamette. 99. Okay. Willamette. 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 Well, this is completely different. Willamette. The people out there really say, oh, I read the Willamette this week. I guess that makes sense now. Willamette. Huh. That's so Christian was correct. <laughs> You're mad. Willamette. 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 I'm changed. The Willamette Weekly. I'll never see words the same. Do they know that it sounds dumber like that? Willamette. It sounds too southern for me. Yeah. Oh, I read the Willamette. <laughs> well, this was also kind of in a southern accent. We can make it Willamette. Slow. Willamette. <laughs> Willamette. Oh. That's the British pronunciation. That's what I've been doing all along. That's what I meant to tell you, Christian. Mm. Just been doing the British version. Willamette. Willamette. Wow. One of the related Willamette. people also ask is, how do Oregonians pronounce Oregon? If you haven't heard a native Oregonian say Oregon out loud, you might just, you might not know how to pronounce it. Just remember that it's Oregon, not Oregon. It literally says G-A-W-N. It was written for Gone. people was, with our accent. Yeah. Place the stress on the first syllable and keep the G hard as in gun. You can say Oregon or Oregon. <laughs> Next, you're going to tell me it's not pronounced coffee. Willamette. Uh, Will, Willamette. Willamette. And, we, and now we have to say it as Willamette. Willamette. Actually, we'll never say it again. We'll just always put that voice recording in. Yeah. For okay. So Laura, a longtime listener, first-time emailer, who is actually a pitch fucker, came to us from uh, Pitchfork Economics, said, "With all of us out there 
We could use a simple Google form to build email lists of groups like Democratic County Party lists. We could put a call out, hey listeners, if you're feeling it, go find the publicly listed email contacts of all the county parties in your state, fill them in a form on our site. It's only like 35 emails to collect per state. I bet most of us could totally do that time-wise. And I bet there's a way that we could design it to remove states from the list once we have the emails so it's not done twice by two people living in the same state. Hmm. So Laura has a great organizing concept here. And I, Laura, if it's okay with you, I want to have a think on it. I love the idea of crowdsourcing. And I want to make sure that whatever, whatever effort that we ultimately crowdsource actually has some meat behind it. You know, I had a throwaway line when we were talking about TYT and we were talking about how we don't like it when shows go after each other and how they use kind of the the angst about other hosts to build their own networks and stuff like that. And anyway, that's how they build followings and blah, blah, blah. But one thing that I want to point out in in the Ohio election with Chantel Brown and Nina Turner one of the biggest organizers and packs in favor of Turner was TYT. Like they actually put, and I think they wound up spending close to a quarter of a million dollars, if I'm not mistaken. That's what they raised in their pack and put it toward that election. Now that's organizing. And that's, and I, and I admire the hell out of that because, you know, this, this is a money system. And as much as we want to break that, and ultimately get to campaign finance reform and have public uh, public funded elections. You know, that was a pretty powerful way, even though they weren't successful there. They've you know, run other successful fundraising efforts and campaigns prior. The, if you're going to spend the time building an audience and crowdsourcing an effort, and it doesn't always have to be money, I want to make sure that we do it in a way that's really going to be powerful. So I like this idea, Laura. I think it's actually a really good one. And I'm wondering, well, first, we have to take care of ourselves first. We have to be big enough to actually move the needle and influence people. So part of our journey right now, in full disclosure, is how do we get numbers? How do we get big and stay authentic and true to the audience? And that's why we're launching so many of these you know, splinter shows, too, is to make sure that we can cover a lot of bases but we're always leaving time and space to have conversations like this with our listeners. The bigger we get, the more people we get involved. I think the more inspired the ideas will be to ultimately bring an effort to bear in support of a movement, a person, a program, a nonprofit, or what have you. So we're going to keep thinking on that, Laura, but I appreciate you sending that suggestion. On that note, in terms of organizing... Maria Castro Calzada donated to Jessica Cisneros campaign and said, FYI, I'm doing what I can. Thanks for spreading the good word. FTFTC. Fuck that fucker Ted Cruz. Well done, Maria. It was like a little rap you did. Craig H. said about the religious right, the subject in particular hits home for me. I have basically lost my closest friend to white Christian nationalism. He left her home of California for Texas, and he's now deeply involved with the, quote, church and right-wing politics. That's really rough, Craig. I don't know. <sighs> yeah. But he did say he wanted to bring some attention to the writings of Catherine Joyce at Salon. Uh, she's Salon? Salon. It's Salon. <laughs> Catherine Joyce. Salon. <laughs> listen, go see, go see Catherine at the Salon, okay? 
You get your nails done, you get a mani, you get a pedi. You stay there for two hours or so, right? Whatever. You have a great time. I That that exact woman <laughs> came into the, the salon where I get my hair done. And <laughs> I swear, it was her, her weird husband, and her mom or his mom. Okay? So she wants, it's late. She wants to get, like, tie-in extensions, which take hours, and you need an appointment. And Obvi. the owner of the salon was there. And the the that woman was giving them a hard time. The owner of the salon says, I know you. You tried to sue me six years ago. Oh, no. And the guy was like, what are you talking about? No, I didn't. Oh. And she was like, yeah, you did. You tried to sue me for some bullshit where I, you know, I did something. You, I told you what would happen. You wanted it anyway. Like, whatever. It was just the most fucking insane story that I've ever. And I was just sitting there like, holy shit. It's like watching TV. It was. That's pretty great. It was that exact that exact woman you just impersonated. It's funny because, you know, so we talk about this all the time. It's like sometimes we've just had it up to here with that person. Mm-hmm. And we're like, we got to get the fuck. What are we doing? We get the fuck out of here. But the more I'm away from that person, the more I, I just yearn to be home. <laughs> I I need her at the salon. Yeah, I need all these these weird people in so my life. So these are these New York salon grifters who go around. They probably get free. They get their hair done and then they refuse to pay and sue. Now, contrary Sorry. to that salon <laughs> salon grifter, I thought it was fun. This is salon, salon. the website salon 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 <laughs> salon. <laughs> How do you say salon salon? She's written about Hillsdale College. It's a small liberal arts college from Michigan now backed by right-wing cash. Setting up charter schools throughout the nation to teach Western culture and virtues. Good Lord. Yikes. In another article, she reviews one of the authors of a new book, The Flag and the Cross, White Christian Nationalism and the Threat to Democracy. Oh, by Philip Korsky and Samuel Perry. I haven't read it, but Joyce's interview with Perry was intriguing and something to put on Unfuckers radar. You hear that, Unfuckers? Go check it out. And Aaron N. said, I admire the UNFTR team for their singular focus on cutting through the fog that is the modern world, a world that has snuck up upon us all. There are so many third rails, rabbit holes, and blocked facts that only pop up on the margins of journalism. Now, Aaron has a couple of topic ideas. One is Boris Johnson versus Jeremy Corbyn. It's a good one. It's a good one. Maybe we'll touch on that when we do our unfucking Thatcher episode and all the things that Thatcher gave give birth to or when rupert murdoch says someone is unelectable why is it treated like the word of god or what's with the redaction of the origins of the pandemic dun 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 have you been reading any of that no i can't read anything else because it's too sad and scary and i'll never get out of bed so a lot of people are probably a lot of unfuckers probably know by now that I'm a big fan of The Intercept. And there's a lot of writers over there that I admire greatly. Jeremy Scahill, I think, is one of the best war correspondents that's working today. He's just a, he's, a, he's an amazing, amazing writer. Ryan Grimm, Liliana Segura, Peter Moss. There's just they have so many credible journalists over there doing some great work. One of the things that they've been doing recently, especially over on Deconstructed on their uh, podcast, is about the lab leak theory. So I just I was just looking this up. The most recent one is the lab leak theory is looking stronger by the day. And it's Catherine Ebon, Mara Hibstendahl, Sharon Lerner with Ryan Grimm on the show to discuss the lab leak theory. And basically how it got so politicized in the beginning 
and they had ideas that it might be leaked, but they thought that that would foment more distrust and discord on the conspiracy theorist side. So they sort of suppressed some of their inside conversations about it and some of their internal memorandums because it wasn't conclusive. They didn't want to freak people the fuck out and they had more questions than answers. So they basically just said that it more closely resembled a virus that would jump from animal to human rather than the markers for any sort of lab gain of function research. So interesting that they're reporting on it. I do trust their reporting. I think that it will take a lot of time to figure this out. And of course, the problem is, and what's going to drive a lot of people crazy, is that if it does turn out to be that, then they're going to wind up discrediting almost anything and everything that the CDC has ever said. Anthony Fauci's career will be, you know, taken to task. I mean, every little thing that he's ever done or said will be taken to task and et cetera, et cetera. People will question the veracity of the research, the efficacy of the vaccine again. And, and I mean, everybody. So memo to everybody, just fucking tell the truth. We can take it because the truth is always going to be easier for us to digest and consume than the bullshit that spews from all the conspiracy theories related to you trying to be all fucking paternalistic about this shit. I know. And I'm with you. It's just like, it's just not as simple as that. Conspiracy theorists will find conspiracies in the truth, in the lies. So, unfortunately, it's just a symptom of a reality right now. But I, w- I agree with you, obviously. Yeah. It's just... Anyway. Interesting stuff. I don't... We're, we're not going to do any topics on that, by the way. Because that is... Science is so far out of our lane that it's not even funny. So, read The Intercept. Hmm? MFK sent in a really, really long... I'm not going to read the real personal parts of this. Uh, except to say that uh, MFK has since taken an interest in and started a new relationship with a much older man who shares my values. It's a real life-changing experience partnering with someone with the same progressive ideology. I am so much happier. While I'm cautiously optimistic about our shared future, he's still a man. So can I keep him past 75? If he lets me, I think I will. I write to you because I know you care about who your supporters are and that behind those names you read every week are real people with complex lives and families that matter. I really, really, especially today after uh, some of the emails that we've tackled, appreciate that sentiment. The reason that we split this out, the reason that we take so much time doing it is because we actually really do give a shit about the listeners that give us their time. So thank you for sending that in. Sometimes it's just nice to have an email that's like, hey, here's what's going on with me and thanks to you. You can keep him. (laughs) Fine. So saith 99. What's one man going to do? Ah, you never know. A waterfall begins with only one drop of water, 99. Now, Facebook, Nettie, our dear friend Nettie McGee out in Wisco and out to Gamey County said, My dear Max, this could not have been more timely. I've been warning friends in Wisco who've been involved with Wisconsin United to amend. That was the group that pushed for the Convention of States legislation in Wisconsin. And then she said, we need to be ready. And Matt Hall said, our pastor is currently doing a series on how biblical justice is social justice. You can't divorce the teachings of Christ from his flipping of tables and systems of oppression of the poor. Fuck yeah, Matt Hall. I love that. Thank you so much for sending that in. (laughs) What happened? I was pulling up a pronunciation of Outagami. Oh. Outagami. 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 There it is. Is that Knudsen? 
Outagamey. Outagamey County. So, Matt Hall, thank you for sending that in. Sorry to interrupt you, Matt. No worries. That took the whole time I was I was trying to find it. <laughs> and Nettie, good to hear from you. She's always around. Hope you've been well. What's going on on the Twitters, 99? Yeah, so everyone was sad. <laughs> Will Watkins for I am William Wallace. Said Max, Jesus Christ, man. All we want to do is just live in peace, and these fucks just won't let us, will they? Nope. Spinning now into the black hole of despair, and someone needs to tractor beam me out of it. We need an upbeat episode next. Uh, no. Yikes. Mm. Okay. Well, oh. Mm. Midwest Monster said, let's get this fucker started. Back porch listening loud enough for the neighbors to hear. Hashtag UNFYSM on fucker Saturday morning with Max and the gang because they unalived our Saturday morning cartoons long ago to better prepare us for wage slavery. <laughs> and Cameron Rosso said this was pretty heady, but very good. Okay, not bad. Tomato Top 1 said yet another reason to know who your state legislators are. It's a lot more real than you think. Damn right, Tomato Top 1. Tim Akamoff said, I'll admit I had no idea how far along the Convention of States concept was until I listened to this amazing podcast. And while I wish I could unlisten to it, I'm stuck with this knowledge, which means I have to do something about it. Goddamn right, Tim Akamoff. And Tommy Lee Meyer said, read the Convention of States episode. Who knew that something I used to intensely support would terrify me so substantially? Ooh, Tommy Lee Meyer. Why did you support it? So what's interesting is that, that there was a movement on the left to overturn Citizens United through Convention of States. Mm. Very interesting. That could be pretty cool. But I don't think we can risk calling a convention. Star Trek convention. Is that what you're talking about? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. I've been thinking about it since he said tractor beam, even though they don't, you know, even though beam me up, Scotty was never actually said in the TV show. It's one of those misnomers, like, Luke, I'm your father. What do you mean? Like, you know how people will be like, beam me up, Scotty? Yeah. They never actually say that. What are you talking about? They don't say, you know, they'll be like, beam me up. Or they'll be like, Scotty. Beam me up, Scotty. It doesn't, they That's never a Mandela say. effect thing? Yeah. Same with Luke, I am your father. He doesn't say that. Yeah, he does. No, he doesn't. Google it. Or. He says, I'm your father. Or the end of, what did my daughter tell me? End of Bohemian Rhapsody, I think it is. It's a Mandela effect thing. Nothing really matters. Anyone can see. Nothing really matters. Nothing really matters to me. Anyway, the wind blows. Chimes. Wow. That's amazing. Okay. N now I have to... What's the Mandela effect part? I don't remember. I was so taken. 101 is the singer of the family. 101. What up, 101? Oh. It's not Bohemian Rhapsody. Well, that would, that would explain it. <laughs> <laughs> it's we are the champions. Okay. Someone of my favorites. Websites. Let's kick it off with the whopper of all Mandela effect songs. This is on Happy Mag TV. Okay. It's simply the most obvious and most jarring of all, and oh. no doubt you'll be stopping mid-sentence to verify this with your own ears. The Queen track gloriously concludes with We are the champions of the world, right? <laughs> know of the world at the very end is there a different version no that's the one that's why i know that hmm. anyway i'm fact checking this 
Are you fact checking my fact checking? I am. Do you see how good we are on fuckers? Yeah, you're right. Beam me up, Scotty. Now, obese Andy said. Beam me up, Luke. I'm your father. Chomsky. Of the world. Is obviously not himself. Hey, obese Andy, what are you saying? The guy does a video every day. It's insane. I know. I wouldn't even know which one it is. It's insane. It's insane. Hey, Noam Chomsky is not himself. Hasn't his family asked for people to stop asking him for interviews? Watching the full interview is torture for people who love him. It's nonsensical, contradictory, and completely robs the Ukrainian people of all agents. With a little bit of tweaking, it could be Jeff Goldblum. No. Like it, um, it's not, but I can hear, I can hear how you could take that uh, base. Uh, 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 Ch- uh, Chomsky. That's you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, oh. Oh. That's pretty good. Okay. Also, sort of a Rachel from Friends. <laughs> That's how she talks. Oh, oh, yo, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Chomsky's obviously not himself. No. All right. So I have to go and and watch. So we're gonna punt, and come back to him next week. And at 4JesseTime4 said, UNFTR pod is one of the most important podcasts you're not listening to yet that you need to be listening to. Hashtag vote. And now we had a whole bunch of coffee donations. Many, many thanks. As you heard our plea in the beginning of show notes for as much support as you can offer us, not just in uh, purchasing our coffee, but taking out memberships so we can expand. And one-time donations. Oh, yeah. And donations as well. 100%. Now, Maria from Puerto Rico bought us a coffee saying, Dear Max, the thing is that we in PR, so this is in response, Maria, you don't have to buy us coffee just to respond to us. God, I love this woman. She's wonderful. Said, uh, Dear Max, the thing is we in Puerto Rico are already part of your shit show, whether we wanted to or not, since 1898. That is true, because we were recolonized by the U.S. after Spain. On the issue of Puerto Ricans' attitudes towards statehood versus independence, you, 99 Manny, fellow on fuckers and listeners, deserve better than my humble, very biased and subjective opinion. I will try and write you an email with sources and links and as much data and factual info as I can provide. Please do, because I am committed to doing a much, much deeper unfucking of the Puerto Rican situation with respect to colonialism, statehood, just all out independence and what that might look like and what that might mean. And the point of it, Maria, is that I want your very biased and subjective opinion on it because you're in Puerto Rico. And it matters. Now, Eric B. is now a member. Eric B. is on the cut. And just said, thank you. Well, how about this, Eric B.? Thank you. Why are you putting the emphasis on that? What? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. What is this? And you and you and you. Well, I just don't know how to pronounce things anymore, obviously. The word you? Willamette. Willamette. I am William Wallace. (laughs) (laughs) Michael L. is now a member. Said, you guys rock. Matthew is now a member. Been listening since the first time Jay mentioned y'all on Best of the Left. Thank you for joining us, Matthew. We appreciate having you. And lastly, Stephanie L. is now a member saying, I love this podcast. I've learned so much from going back and re-listening and taking notes. Fucking A. Stephanie, you can also go to our Substack. Go to unftr.substack.com. If you haven't already, sign up there. And you'll be able to access all the information and the source material as well. And I believe we had a review. 99? Yeah. Black Pepper official said, Max 99 and Manny have made something amazing. 
This show will leave you so informed about the problems the U.S. is facing that you will burn with white-hot rage. And you might even use that rage to make some changes to how you live. Five stars is too few. How many stars are there in the universe? Infinite. Thank you, Black Pepper. Official. And thank you, 99. For what? Enduring all the criticism with grace and working through all uh, this today. I don't know if I was very graceful, but I get, you know, what? I get triggered. Don't say triggered. Why? Because is it the like the joke connotation? Yeah, they've they because they've co-opted it. I know, but it, and it's not fair because it was a word in like the mental health space even before, you know, Tucker Carlson learned what it meant. So trigger the libs. You know, I'm gonna trigger the libs. It's a triggers are real things. Yes, it is overused, like the term gaslighting, which people apply. I said it earlier today as a joke, but I think triggers are valid and. Men talking to other men about me triggers me. <laughs> Drink it at the limbs. Okay, whatever. Ben Shapiro has a cup that he keeps on his desk that says, like, I think, like, liberal tears or something like that. Just, I mean, that's like some fucking, fucking child. loser shit you get off Etsy. Like, <laughs> you know? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Ben Shapiro. Drink at the limbs. Back. Okay. All right. Well, we're done. We are done, and um, we got a couple things coming up this week. Eek. Okay. All right? Sure. So, I'll just see it. Will you? In a minute. Okay. Bye. Do something funny. What am I, a fucking trained monkey? My clown? Do I amuse you? Like a fucking clown? I don't know if he says fucking there. That might be Mandela. Are you proud of my reference? I am! I am. I think I've probably pulled the clip enough times. Yeah, you have. Yeah. I'll see you later. Adios, amiga.